<laughs> What's up, nerds? Uh, you already know what it is. Welcome to Region Free. This week, continuing our, our downward spiral through the new French Extremity films. We're talking about a little heater called Frontiers. Now, there are some open and closed parentheses in there, and I think this is going to be an open and closed discussion uh, about a movie that we've both Rocks. watched. Blake a little Rocks. bit more recently than hard. me. And maybe he likes it a little bit more than me. But uh, I think we're going to have a lot to dig into here. Blake, uh, tell the people at home what, what they can expect. From the, the other day, hour. AJ, you and I were indulging in a little new French extremity called Fortnite. Yeah. Uh, and I said, Fortnite S. I was like, AJ, why don't you like Frontier open parentheses S close parentheses? And you said, because it has two horny boys in it, which is A, factually incorrect, it has one horny boy in it. I suppose so. B... We just watched Trouble Every Day, which features the most horny boy in cinema history, and you loved that scene. I would argue that he's a man, first of all. Oh, well, okay. no, I guess the one you're talking about, yeah, there's less of him in the movie, to be perfectly honest. Now, I've got a short a short temper when it comes to teens in general. <laughs> that ratio... Yeah. <laughs> that ratio gets cut not even by half, like three quarters lopped off when those teens are French specifically. <laughs> there there are some there are plenty of films that heavily feature French teens doing right. crimes, being horny, right. Right. experiencing general malaise. Now, you know, I'm not referring to the classics of of Godard and Truffaut, films like that, the French New Wave. Um enough's been said about that, enough ink has been spilled relitigating Mm-hmm. what what that what those movies were about and kind of what their influence there was um mm-hmm. it's everything that comes after that where people are like okay you know we've seen what horny french teenagers can do now we've seen them in their naturalistic states of ennui and and, and listlessness going through life um mm-hmm. having only sex and and drugs and violence to to thrill them we we and well, you know, these days you got to crank that dial up somewhere. And, and in a film like Frontier S, there are parts of it that I really do appreciate that I really mm-hmm. think are, are pretty neat and have, uh, well, if not if not entirely cogent uh, political themes to them, at least an interesting attempt at doing something new. And then there are bits of this movie that I'm like, I'm, I'm doing an axe motion where I'm like, we could have cut that because I didn't need it. I think the horny teens are fine, dude. It's like, it's a <laughs> slasher. Like, what do you want? There I has guess... to be horny teens, and they yeah. have to be fucking a white supremacist lady for some reason. They always are. They always are. Every teen has been there mm-hmm. <laughs> at one point in their life. Um, it, and, and there being like a kind of weirdly run down motel that should be raising every red flag in the world that's like, you're not safe here, and you shouldn't feel safe here. And they're like, Gotta get my nut, though. You know what's crazy about this movie is basically 98% of it is played typical slasher style where the teens are just normal-ass kids completely out of their element in a killer's home, which is crazy Mm -hmm. and baffling. Except for the first two minutes of this film where a fucking child caps a cop with a gun. Yeah, you know, uh, as part of our, our earlier conversation that you were alluding to, I was like... I think you can do without the first 25 minutes of this movie. That's a bit of a stretch because the first like 10, honestly, are pretty solid when they're yeah. getting out of the city. And then it's, yeah, then it weirdly veers off into setting up a completely different movie that I would have liked a lot less. And thankfully, 
doesn't become that movie becomes something entirely different but i guess it's more so the you know false starts and kind of weird circular structure of the first two acts of this movie that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way because once Mm. we get where we're going i think there's a really lean shorter movie in here that kind of does the best stuff you could do in this movie without some of the bullshit some of the fat on the bone you maybe drop that s with the parentheses just regular we don't need the parentheses um i think that's where a lot of the you know that's what's housing a lot of the stuff that i don't like this movie's a minute for a minute an hour 48 but you know what it feels blistering to me Mm. like by the time i I was like felt that length (laughs) <laughs> really wow oh, yeah. i didn't i felt like it sped through okay so like a lot of these films it's set in, in just a period of uh political unrest in france i I, yeah. do, I don't think it's specific where the film opens but it's a parisian city of some sort maybe we can just i think it's like a, i've never been to paris i'm assuming it's like some sort of paris suburb or neighborhood yeah or you know what like actually that. they that one of the characters says they're from Paris at one point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was but Anyway, um, a lot of these films, or at least two that we've watched, and including Athena that I watched recently, which yeah. um, it d- takes a hugely coward's approach to all this in a way <laughs> that, that Inside and Frontiers, I would say, does not. But uh, there are so many French films that just open with, it's like, hey, the kids are pissed, and they're fighting back, and they're being cool guys, um, including this one, which like within the five minutes, a cop is fucking shot. By this yeah. kid, which goes so hard, but they're trying to escape the city. It it, it appears they have there are protests going on, but they seem somewhat distanced from it because it appears they have robbed something or committed some small time heist. Well, this is what have... I like about the setup of this film is it's kind of like they're, you know, street urchins. They're criminals mm-hmm. essentially, and they're yeah. using this what seems like genuine revolt in the streets as a cover-up for their kind of life of crime where they're doing sort of petty robberies and and rip-offs and just because the cops are so occupied and there's so much noise mm-hmm. happening in the streets like truly like mobs of people it's a pretty pretty arresting sequence up top and yeah you know your introduction to these characters is not meant to be like okay they're on the right side of history they're a part of these really just protests it's like nope they're definitely taking advantage of of any political movement and using it for their own betterment um and you know maybe they have totally valid reasons for that as they kind of kind of get into a little bit um Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean they're just they're just doing crimes as like something truly revolutionary outside is happening which was kind of humming through the background of inside a movie that came out the same year as this one and even a film like trouble every day which i think we sort of ended up agreeing that that predates the sort of movement of the french new extreme a little bit like i think this is really right when it's all starting to crystallize sort of as you know whatever you want to call recognizable tropes or structure or character archetypes the things that you could point at and be like these are what french new extreme films do are present you know mm-hmm. in this one pretty clearly up top i uh i believe the inciting incident of the background of this film not the heist gone awry is that a far-right political leader yes. has been elected to office um which not e- not even yet it's um uh 
it's like the first sort of round of elections have happened there's a runoff and it seems like this yeah extremely hard right candidate is going to get very close to if not be elected with premier as the french say (laughs) I think has a very good payoff in the final minutes of this Absolutely. Film in yeah. terms of maybe the message it is signaling at, uh, mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, the call is coming from inside the house, the house here being the city. Um, but yeah, it goes awry. And, you know, the uh, uh, we learn that there's, there's a, a, a girl in the midst of this group of teens who was dating one member of the group, and her brother is another member of the group. Her brother has been shot... He dies at the hospital and they're just like, we got to get the fuck out of town. They hop in the car and they go. They drive several hours out of the city. Right. And then at least two of them. They're, well, this they're is this separate. is kind of what's the most important uh, okay. bit okay. bit of the, the beginning of this film is it's it's yeah. two cars. Mm-hmm. Um, one is these two guys who they just hightail it out of there. They're like, we're going to find somewhere that's safe for the gang to hole up. Wait for this all to blow over. We'll be fine. And then, yeah, there's the other group, which is trying to take this guy who's been shot to the hospital. Um, that group, things don't go very well for them. He, he dies pretty quickly after they get yeah. to the hospital. And then they're sort of left trying to escape the city and catch up with these other two chuckle fucks who went ahead. <laughs> so it separates the two by a few hours. Yeah. The other two, they decide to get, they're very tired. They decide to pull off at a, a roadside, I guess it's like a bed and breakfast, really. It's not a like a chain hotel or motel. Um, run by this family that at first seems just a bit weird. There's some Texas chainsaw to the whole totally. thing without little, being that gnarly. You know, little it's RE7. Like a, do what? Little RE7. Resident Evil 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Biohazard. I guess so. But like not that gnarly. Like it's not yeah. immediately clear what's happening. So these two guys walk in. And there are two women working the counter. One does not seem too interested in being there. And the other is ready to, dare I say, fuck well, both it, of them. It, like, starts with them being not even sure that they're going to get offered a room. The sort of patriarch of the family. Because it's, you know, revealed to be mm-hmm. a, a lot more generations of this family right. than it seems like at first. But the guy who's sort of putting on the front as, like, I'm in charge here. This is my motel. Is, like... I don't want you kids here. You're from the city. Bunch of weird shit's going on there. I want nothing to do with this. And then, yeah, the two girls are like, oh, come on, whatever. We'll we'll let you have a room. And then they get walked up to their room. And then it's just like, let's go to Pound Town. Uh, here, though, is where the movie slyly shows its hand at what is to come. One of the wom- women, in a brief moment, as she takes her shirt off, you see, I don't know what it would be called. It's not an iron eagle. It's the eagle that is the sign of white supremacy yeah Nazism. i'm not oh, sure the actual term for it she has that tattooed on her back and it's like a problematic tattoo and it's like hey wait a second i'm looking at these two boys they don't appear uh white yeah which they have yours... um some 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 pigment to them um it's so kind of vague they have some sex they go to dinner and they are serving uh a dish with pork broth and one of the boys is like, yo, can't eat that. Sorry. Um, it's against my religion. And and that's where it all falls apart for our young individuals. They 
have unfortunately found themselves uh, holed up at a Nazi hotel bed and breakfast. We, you know, we've all been there. Those, those not classic a great, things that are all <laughs> over the place. Not a great situation to be in. And thus starts the extreme part of this new French extremity uh, standby. Yeah. Well, so so here's what I'll say about the beginning bit, because this is kind of the and, and we're we're maybe 25 minutes into the movie right, right, right. at this point. I think it it upfront sort of plays <clears throat> with the premise and, and what's really going on, like tries to have its cake and eat it too, where it is like tiptoeing up to these reveals. And there's some more horrifying stuff like, you know literally beneath the floorboards in the basement that we're going to get to but it's kind of really rushing to to get to some of the more twisted stuff as quickly as it can but mm-hmm. also like playing coy with that because as this is happening we're sort of cross-cutting to that other car escaping the city and they're having the real classic horror movie phone calls where it's like something seems a little off here and they're like okay just like lock yourself in your room and wait till we get there and you know that that old classic uh, gotta have sex in the horror movie trope comes back around um, and 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 cuts those two guys pretty pretty poorly as it often does. But right. then we're at then we're at dinner with the family and by the time we get to a sequence which I really do like, which is those two guys being chased through literal tunnels underneath the motel, uh, it's sort of basically fully ramped itself up into full-on horror exploitation territory. I think it weirdly takes a while kind of getting there fully, even though, like, I know it's coming as a viewer. I just think yeah. it's not not handled particularly well. Can I... I'd like, I want to talk about something this movie does that drives me fucking just gaga. Lady Gaga in a bad way. Uh, bad romance. Uh, well, yeah, I guess so in the opening of this movie. Um, a, a, an incredible amount of this film was shot in the daytime, but it's supposed to be set in the nighttime. And so they just put an incredibly navy blue filter over everything when they're Mm -hmm. outside and it is so distracting i'm like just make the movie in the fucking daytime like do not do this if you couldn't i I don't know what happened that they could not film at night but the fact they tried to mask the daytime with this garish filter because the rest of the movie i mean it's it's got like a messy film grain to it which might be digitally added later but there's not a lot of filters going on, a green or a red hue added to certain scenes. Like, it's pretty just normal until they're outside. Then you get this awful fucking filter. It drove me insane. Yeah. I'll say two things about how this movie looks. Uh, one, pretty shitty. B- two, I was going to say B, two. Uh, I like it. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. got like, it's got like the Gears of War orange <laughs> filter sort of over most of it. Like, if you look at the, the poster, which kind of has that, yeah yellowy film grain to it like the movie kind of looks like that do you think cliff blazinski seen this movie maybe yeah did I you don't know. see it... him at the alamo draft house like a few weeks ago yeah i did i was going to see uh 65 the adam driver versus the dinosaurs movie what do you think he was seeing was it 65 yeah you know I go to the, I go to this theater quite a lot, several times a week actually. So I forget which night it was. Um, he was just sitting in the lobby, so I don't know. Maybe he had just come out of seeing something. I think it, yeah. I think it was sixty five. He probably was seeing Scream Six because I saw sixty five mm. the like night that it would have been the premiere night for Scream right. Six. I hadn't watched Scream Five yet. 
Um, mm. But now I have. Did you did you say what's up to him? Like, do y'all know each other? No, we don't know each other. I mean, you went, you worked at his alma mater. I mean, and he's met Cloud Moser, but uh, he wouldn't. What do you think is? Me. What do you think is the crossover between our listeners and fans of Cliff Plasinski? Hundred percent. Word. Okay. Yeah, we should try to have Cliffy B on the show. Just be like, you pick literally, yeah, like, literally any movie. Any movie. I bet you would have something fo- freaky or really normy. Yeah, you know? or it'd be like American Wedding, no which I would between. watch. Actually, we should do if an American Pie season. Yeah. Hey, if you're listening, come on, open What's invite. Up, Cliff? Cloud Moser's here. He loves the show. He loves interrupting it. Okay, so all hell's breaking loose. And AJ, you and I are both big fans of the film Green Room, which yes. came out many years after this, an American film about a punk band, um, a punk band that goes to play a show and are trapped by neo-Nazis and then brutally murdered and they have to fight their way out. It's uh, Who directed that thing? Uh, oh my gosh, why well, can't I remember his name? Jeremy Solgine, I yeah, believe. Solv- Sol- yeah, Solgine. Yeah, Steak or something. I'm a huge fan of his his work yeah, uh, and his I mean, other film. Blue, Blue Ruin. Ruin is Crazy one that movie. definitely also has a lot of uh, thematic overlap with this. I mean, what you're going to say is that there's a lot of visual uh, well violence that feels pretty inspired by this movie in particular. No. I think the general setup feels like mm-hmm. uh, maybe our boy Jeremy had seen this movie and kind of crap. I mean, I don't want to speak for him. I don't know him. I've never met him and I've never seen him talk about this movie. But it feels like you can draw a pretty obvious line to French kids stay at a neo-Nazi hotel. Mm-hmm. Three boys, one girl and punk band, three boys, one girl, uh, play a neo-nazi venue and they have to fight and murder their way out like they're just like very interesting tonal similarities between the two movies that i uh, think would make a very cool double feature because having watched it a second time i still would be shocked if he did not see this movie before making Green i Green. i feels... i i would wager uh 10 10 buckaroonies that jeremy yeah. saw jeremy s has seen this flick and I think Green Room is a better movie, but if you've never heard of Frontiers, which it stands to reason, probably most people haven't, to like acclimate what this movie is, is Green Room if it somehow made you feel so much fucking worse. I mean, Green Room with uh, a lot Incest. more sort of, yeah, actionable goals on behalf of the Nazis. The Nazis in that movie are yeah. sort of just like, you know the uh, the modern American Nazis, which are like, we're pissed off, we, we hate uh, women and minorities. We like to just mm-hmm. get together and and uh, moan about how how good we used to have it and how fucked yeah. up and and liberal this country is now. Um, and this movie is more like we're gonna actively work to kind of breed a new master race in the basement of our motel. It's it's so not working out for them. <laughs> yeah. um, so the the two the two chuckle fucks. It's really one chuckle fuck and one dude who's just like, I want to leave. This shit sucks. And the other dude trying to get his his little his little tip in. Um, some violence breaks out. A cop or at least someone pretending to be a cop shows up and is like, I'm arresting you all. Y'all were what were you doing in the city? And like, ah, it's not great. Some some brief violence breaks out. Um, Classic kind of comic mix up where you're like, thank God. The authorities are here. Yeah, and they're a like stabbing. <laughs> a stabbing happens, and the boys run. 
one of the kids gets two of his fingers blown off. I mean, the, the movie is pumping you full of violence at this point, like, and there's no looking back. And the kids try to make an escape. They get in their car, and they are rammed off the road by the, I guess it's not the patriarch, but it is the big man on campus, this hulk of a beast, who is one of the central antagonists of this film, one of the kind of bruisers of the neo-Nazi family. He has a very big Jeep. He just rams them off the road into the entrance of a mine shaft, which I think now, yeah. that we've I, seen tr- this, now that we've seen the setup of the violence, I think here's where the actual horror film begins. For sure. I'm trying to remember the like exact kind of family tree here, and it's difficult because there's a lot of... Uh, let's say, you know, interesting overlap or some shortcuts that they take in terms of, like, mm-hmm. who's uh, married and who's a child of a father uh, in particular. But I think there's right. kind of those two main, like, brother guys. The Well, there's um, three sons. Three sons, okay. One yeah. is kind of a... a uh, ba- not a bastard son. He's kind of like an outcast. He clearly... He's having some issues producing, you might say, Aryans, which makes the actual patriarch of the family kind of, you know, turn a blind eye to him. He's kind of an outcast of the family. So there are three brothers, two sisters, an adopted daughter, a host of grandbabies, a grandfather, the patriarch, and a grandmother who is only very briefly in the beginning who seems to have been taken by senility she you see her at the very beginning (laughs) being spoon-fed and then she's basically written out of the movie within the first 10 minutes that's that is the neo-nazi family there's a bunch of inbreeding going on but the extents of which who is an who is like an incest child it's it's a little unclear uh but they're all nazis except for one crucially one we're getting there physically, but, uh, you know, we end up in this mine shaft sort of like network beneath their hotel. And I don't remember how quickly we kind of get to this. Like the boys are being chased through the tunnels. It's a really great sequence, um, which preys on one of my greatest fears, which is just, you know, generic claustrophobia being tucked up in a really tight space and kind of don't go spelunking i got these big long arms you see i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of a long dude and so i yeah i don't like being underground i don't like being in anything that's kind of tight anytime that happens in a movie i'm like no thank you uh i would never caverns never yeah i would never go spelunking like you're out of your fucking mind i do not like this scene i don't know why they climbed in the hole i don't even know why they went in the fucking mine shaft to be honest i mean they're just I probably would, too, if I'm trying to escape from a big old uh, Nazi in, in suspenders. Well, they eventually get out, and the, 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 the horny man gets his fucking head, like, sliced open. It's, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a really terrifying sequence where, you know, on top of them doing the spelunky wiggle where they're digging through these, or crawling through these tiny little tunnels, uh, the one guy basically either physically get stuck or just mentally can't crawl through anymore and he's kind of mm-hmm. like you got to do it you got to climb out of the hole the one the one guy's already made it out uh and he gets yeah grabbed and dragged back and and his head gets what popped like a grape essentially well they do get out but yeah the first one he he manages to make it to the other side and as soon as he does like someone just strikes him in the head mm-hmm. he doesn't die immediately but this is about the end of his story R.I.P. Bozo, I gotta say. Walked in, fucking went out dying. <laughs> yeah, these t- these two kids couldn't get off the screen Wait. fast enough for me. Went in, fucking went out, fucked. 
big facts. Run that back. Went in fucking got out fucked. That's <laughs> right. Fucked that's right. That's what out. I say. So I mean, that's the the character we sort of start to be introduced here. We enter what the uh, the pig pen, the the kind of uh, yeah the, the butchery. The, not the butchery. What would you call that? The slaughterhouse. The slaughterhouse. The hotel. Yeah. The killing floor. Fun fact: They have a slaughterhouse here with tons of pigs, which I think the pigs are used amazingly in this film, um, and we can get to. Love We're, a pig. We we start to be intro- introduced to two of what I think are the most interesting characters in this movie, which is the third son, this kind of fail son, this big man who just doesn't talk much, is kind of played as an overweight oaf, which is not great. But I think he has a pretty interesting character arc. And later, who will realize is his wife, this short woman with a bit of a hunchback. Um, maybe not all there mentally, but clearly not on the same wavelength as everyone else. There is a, not innocence to her, I would say, but a uh, she's not evil. Let's say a little less cool with the Nazi stuff. Yeah, not a Nazi, but also... Not making a concerted effort to get out, though we'll explore that. I, I like these two characters a lot. I think their character arc is really good, especially the the woman in this situation. Does yeah, this you know, to you? I, I, I think maybe another issue that I have with this movie is its sheer kind of like volume of, I don't want to say like depravity or scares, but I think there's, you know, a, a much mm. more focused story in a lot of ways that it could have done yeah because you you do end up getting this like rotating cast of of antagonists and it's like you know a lot of them are just there to get satisfying or or visually you know deaths that pay off visually but you know they're just they're they all kind of function as as chess pieces to be set up and then taken down on a board and i think that applies to the teens that we follow too. I think I've made it pretty mm-hmm. clear that my issue is too many teens up top. Uh, and it does take a really long time for us to get to, you know, the final girl uh, of the group. It's kind of, I don't really think that she is set up particularly well from the jump and sure. then basically takes over being the protagonist of the movie once it's like, okay, well we kind of need that. So for like the first half, almost it feels aimless when it comes to specific characters and it's just kind of like we're going to introduce you to the nazi farm here are the nazis here are the teens who are trying to escape and then once its themes really start get getting going it's like okay this is about i mean (laughs) there's no better word but like breeding and and progenation Mm -hmm. and and all that sort of stuff which is yeah there's like a good a good quarter 45 minutes of this movie maybe that are really I'm vibrating with. Well, tell me the 45 minutes. Because everything I feel like I've heard from you yeah. is kind of negative so far. Well, and that's once... fine. I'm not saying you got to like the movie, but I am curious these 45 minutes you did like. Once the other car gets to the, mm, the okay. farm, it's about where we are. Yeah. But uh, the sort of everybody's here now. We're not cutting back to the like, we're on our mm. way to the farm. Hope. Hope there's no Nazi uh, family trying to to breed people underneath the the hotel, <laughs> right? Um, and then God, it's just this parade of murders and mutilations and really nasty. Yeah, people are losing fingers, toes. Their yeah. Achilles heels are being just blasted off. There's a kind of nail gun thing. What's what is that called? Because 
and and that's jumping forward a little bit too much, but there are like those clamps that they're putting on people, and that just uh, oh. those are meat hooks. Meat hooks, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this, at this point, this is when the woman and the other guy show up, who we learn early in the film are an estranged couple. She is pregnant with his child. He seems mm-hmm. to want nothing of it. She's maybe going to get an abortion. Um, none of this is really that important to the plot, yeah. so we can just cast it aside the way the movie does here. They show up, and we're introduced to the Patriarch. This is at a secondary location. They apparently own two hotels here, right next to each other in adjacent towns. We're introduced to the head honcho of this ancient man who is dressed like just the dumbest Nazi. And uh, he shows up, and he's clearly got a creepiness to him, and he asks the girl her name, and she says, Yasmin. And Nazi alarm bells go off in the Ding, ding, ding. That doesn't sound very white to me, he says. Uh, While the other guy, who has since gone to the bathroom and stumbled upon one of his friends, hung up on meat hooks. Yeah. And he flips out, tries to get Yasmin out of the situation. We need to go. And, as you might imagine, they don't escape. They don't escape. They are put into a prison. Tormented, tortured. Yeah. Captured. They are put into a uh, prison cell in the pig pen, and these pigs are nuts, dude. I have never been seen. I don't know if I've ever seen. I mean, I guess Amityville Horror has a pretty good pig scene, but it's like just a giant pig's face, I think, that shows up in a window. Well, you know, c- like, correct me if I'm wrong here, and and tell me if you feel like this. These aren't pigs. These are hogs. Oh, I guess that's a good point. They're big old. Point. They're big old oinkers. They're nasty. They are, very scary yeah they really <laughs> bother me um they're put in this they're put in the cell and they managed to make an escape and they make this poor actress god it just felt like this could have gone wrong in so many ways she th- she is able to pull her chains off she digs into the mud and muck and then goes under in a puddle of water and i'm like if she got stuck there would she would she literally have drowned? Like, like it feels shit? like she is contorting her body within the tightest fit, and then has to come out to literal pigs. As she, this actress is covered in actual mud and dirt and cold water. They kind of put this woman through the ringer by the end of this film in a way I think is not always fake. Like the, it looks like she's kind of not doing well by the end of this thing. She has a uncontrollable shake to her. Yeah, I'm I mean, not I sure was acting. I I used the phrase earlier, but this is a real final girl movie where it's just like we're gonna literally drag you through the mud. We're gonna mm-hmm. mutilate your body in you know ways that any one of these injuries she sustains would like permanently alter the course of your life. We're gonna uh, threaten to marry you off to a kind of Nazi uh, bastard son. And then, yeah, we're going to send you on your merry way. Have a nice life. Also, in the making of this film, we're going to cut all your actual hair off, continuously douse you in various liquids, yeah. and possibly give you a staph infection in this awful fucking <laughs> And she's wearing, created. like, a very just, like, casual, generic slip dress for most of this. And it's, like, one of those things that, oh, it starts off, like very clean and very pure and then gets covered in mud and sludge and shit and blood. And it's like, okay, I Defining gotcha. traits of the new French extremity is how much 
goo they can cover characters in. I mean, Sarah in the film before this. Wet ass movies. Yeah. Beatrice Dahl's character in Trouble Every Day is doused in blood at all times. Um, a, a just some some really wet films. They figured out how to do, you know, realistic, believable looking innards, guts, bodily fluids. And then they said, well, you know, no need to to show any self-control here. Let's just crank that dial up to 11. Let's start buckets of blood, baby. I mean, I think that's what I really like about this movie, though, is like Trouble Every Day is (laughs) at times a very quiet film that you kind of have to sit with Mm -hmm. and like you have to be patient with. It's uh. artsy fartsier than than most of what we've watched so far and i mean inside is fucking gnarly yeah i mean the the the, is the advantage that inside has over this movie like i think most objectively is its length exactly Um, i i think the 80 to 90 minute version of this movie could be just as good as inside my my problem with it is that it really stretches those boundaries uh and even inside you know on our episode i talk about how that last Mm-hmm. 10 minutes really starts like losing me a little bit where we're sort of running in circles with the violence and, and elevating yeah, yeah. things to a degree that like becomes comical or really wears off. I think that's a really unique balance that these movies have to strike. And that's part of the fun of watching them and thinking about how they were made is like, they probably had a handful of really fucked up ideas for this movie about yeah. sequences and shots, specific kills and setups that they wanted to do. And I think sometimes the tension comes from writing a script to like sustain the rest of that and not just doing the sort of cavalcade of, of violence. But like, there's a part in my fucked up little edgy brain that just like still loves how depraved this thing is in the my favorite part of this movie is the cavalcade of violence the bits where it's just doing the gnarly kills i think like i just i love wallowing and how nasty this film is it's like yeah there's just so much gore and blood and violence and then incest and also just dirty looking sets and pigs and there's the, the beginning of this movie just begins in like shitty alleys and things are on fire and people are screaming and there's part of me that is like, yes, just exhaust my senses. Like, just, it's not a particularly great film. It's not smart. I think it has some things to say, but it's not like saying oh, totally. in any nuanced ways. But there's a part of me that likes movie making like that. And this film speaks to that part of me where it's like, fuck yes, here's an hour and 45 minutes of nihilism and yelling at the top of your lungs and shit piss blood and come and i'm like let's go uh seeing this movie in a theater would have been really fun this was one of the rare cases of a movie that was given a pretty harsh nc-17 and was like mm. do not release this that. do not release this thing there are there are countries where you still can't watch it or, or sort of I... screen it um wow. and I so know any of this. you know it's release i feel like that's probably why it's so uh i don't want to say like underseen or undervalued but it's not right. you know one of the the iconic films of this movement maybe i think it it has um i think you know it, it's it's been reclaimed a bit i saw like some youtube comments and especially mm. like researching some of the other movies that we're talking about it like appears on the related pages so people have definitely been able to seek it out but i mean like right. yeah there's the it's an unrated dvd from a boutique label 
that was like you know other than that the movie's pretty uh difficult to to track its its legacy or its kind of release down but yeah i mean it's a classic sort of and i don't even want to say like midnight movie because it's it's you know those are a little bit more tame than this perhaps but Mm -hmm. it's one where like you know if you're doing the fucked up film festival this one should be on your radar because i think yeah seeing this in a room with people reacting to it and really being able to kind of properly wallow in just how oppressive and and dour it is would be really sick I mean, uh, surprisingly, uh, granted, I'm not reading the full review here. I'm just going off the Wikipedia blurb. Um, apparently, the New York Times. Yeah, Magnolia, Magnolia, a... Magnolia Darlis, who still works there. Yeah, apparently gave this like a, a positive rating, which is pretty interesting. Um, and it doesn't seem like many others did. So at some point. Our final girl, you know, is she is the betrothed of one of these neo Nazis, and we we get more characterization of our the the hunchback woman, who we learn was a kidnap victim and brought into this family. I guess much in the same way, um, you know, our four teenagers kind of were, but her story's a little different. She is told, you know, your parents will come back for you if you obey what we are saying, and she kind of has this like affecting moment. Where she's like, you know, I, I, I'm being used to birth children. The, the the big oaf man operating the slaughterhouse, that is my husband. And we're having trouble having babies. Like, we're having babies, but they ain't coming out very well. And father what, is not happy. What, when, so, you, when you're designing a new kind of master race to take over yeah. the world with, you, you, want, you want to be uh, churning out the cream of the crop. Right. And it's not working here. Um so so our our final girl's like, well, well, why don't you leave? And she's like, well, twofold. I can't leave my babies and my parents are going to come back for me. And something about that second line was very emotionally affecting for me where she was like, they're going to come back for me. And I know it's like so cheap. It's not a smart line, but there was something about it where I was like, this poor woman. Yeah, poor woman. She's she's the best character for sure. I, love I mean, this. oh yeah, played by Maud Forget, uh, Queen. Queen. They they both you know are pretty youth coded, which I think is important yeah. to to the depravity and the setup of this film. And and I think thematically, part of what it's saying is about how society and the patriarchal structure takes advantage of women and doesn't you know care for them in, in the right sure. way and and there are lots of of people out there who view uh women with no autonomy uh as to just churn out perfect children when demanded right. uh it's the opposite of wicker man if you'll recall precisely so all of that i got it <laughs> i um, agree they go to a, a um they go to a dinner scene this is where you know our final girl whose name i'm sorry i just don't know i don't remember it's yasmin you already said it oh yasmin that's right um where she is basically like hey this is the guy you're marrying deal with it and by the way he's going to inherit the family which causes a bit of a rift between the other son our hulk and bruiser this is this is a bit i really liked as well too where you know talk us through it talk us through it pretty predictable pretty you know this is kind of what you do in a movie like this but right. they are not a perfectly cohesive family unit and i really like this scene where yeah they're all sat up at the dinner table and i think this is where we get our proper introduction to what his name's hans right the like really mm-hmm. old 
he walks out in like the straight up Nazi uniform. Kind well, of get he, this, he was yeah. he was earlier in the film because he's the one who Yasmin tells her name to, mm-hmm. and he's like, and you know, he's chopping Achilles tendons. But this is where he starts talking about like his plans and he's monologuing, kind of, yeah, yeah, which yeah, which yeah. we've already talked about is like you know breeding a new Aryan race essentially, and and marrying his kids off, and mm-hmm. just propagating this family line down uh, as as far as they can go, and. It's a really clever sequence because in parts of this, as he's talking, you're getting shots of these characters sort of, you know, reacting or, or not uh, not taking some of this stuff pretty well. Because, yeah, between the sons and even the daughters, there's this, like, sense of innate competition. And they're like, well, mm-hmm. I want the better bride or, like, I want to have these kids. And, uh, well, isn't Yasmin able to, to sort of play upon that and really turn them against each other ultimately, which I like? Well, yeah, she, um, the, the, the butcher son, God, these names, it's just, it's impossible to know him. Um, he is, uh, he's, he's pretty deeply insulted by the father at this moment, given that he, him and his wife, they are just struggling to have the children that Hans wants. And in this moment, Yasmin grabs Hans and holds a knife up to him. Everyone grabs a gun, which is like, all right, they're just equipped to the nines. Everybody's strapped and, up. Uh, the butcher's son says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm killing both of you. Fuck my dad. And fuck this lady. So he shoots his dad. Pops him. But Yasmin lives. She's fine. However, having done that, the guns, the rest of the family's guns are turned on to him. He is murdered. Shot right there. His wife, the woman who was kidnapped. Uh, she breaks. This is her breaking moment where she becomes the secondary protagonist of this film. She's yeah. like, no, Eva that was... is this character's name. Oh, okay. Or Ava, probably. Yeah, she was like, that's it. It's over. And then a, a hunt for Maud goes on. This is about the last 25 minutes of the film now. And this hunt rules. Uh, the bruiser. This is pretty fun. The bruiser tracks them down into a, 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 I don't think it's a freezer, but it's a room where they chop up meat. They're hanging bodies there. Yeah. The children of Ava and her husband, who was just shot, they, they are in there for some reason. And Yasmin is hiding amongst the bodies from our Hulk and bruiser of a man. And AJ, walk me through what happens. I just want to close my eyes and remember this kill because it's so fucking good. Is this uh is this with the boiler or the saw? Because those are my two favorite kills in the movie. Oh, I guess the boiler's earlier in the film. That's the kid with the um he always has the camcorder. He gets put in the boiler. Yeah. Pretty good. I like that. I would not it like was, that to happen yeah. to me. I also would pass if given the opportunity. No, this is the buzzsaw scene. Okay. So there's you know when you say buzzsaw scene, the audience close your eyes and you can picture it happening. There's this big fucking rotating saw in the middle of this room and they're sort of doing this delicate dance around where he's got the gun um trying to catch her uh or yeah trying to catch her she's got an axe or some sort of tool metal object metal object she just starts thwacking him he's backing up backing up and then he just falls on this fucking thing and and gets you know blood shower this movie uh maybe the last 15 minutes similar to like the evil dead remake where the screen could have just been red and i would have been like yeah everything's here looks normal because there's just blood Oops. coming from fucking every direction in this bit like this it's it's where... it's on it's on people's head to toe and then also from toe to head like back up this is where the actress who plays yasmin whose name is i, w- I want to specifically give her a shout out because 
Um, this is Karina Testa. Mm-hmm. Um, I say I'm going to give her a shout out. I'm immediately going to say a lot of her performance in this film is not particularly that strong until the ending here where she kind of masterfully starts operating this maximalist performance where it's like, you know, a lot of these movies, the final girl or just the final character, they've gone through this transformation where they're kind of a badass by mm-hmm. this point. And this is clearly a woman in the midst of a psychotic break, just fighting for her life. She is shaking. I mean, it's important to remember she's been pregnant the whole time too. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, this is a cinematic parallel between mm-hmm. inside. I didn't even think about, um, she is shaking uncontrollably for the last 20 minutes of the f- film in a way yeah. that is like incredibly not powerful, but like it translates like, Oh yeah. Like what happens in these movies is so fucking horrific that it would break a human. Like she probably has blacked out long ago and is just like some visceral, impulse is driving her to get out of here but it's like she is not in control of her physical or mental faculties at this point yeah i think like her performance is really strong here in some of these movies as as you're talking about you know and especially when they're more like action oriented they can just like Mm -hmm. twist into turning these characters into like icons and and badass heroes like like ripley and laurie stored like that's totally cool yeah. yeah but 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 a movie like this that's more interested in the depravity and just like psychological breakdown of it. Yeah. Is just displaying this as like someone who's completely harrowed to the bone and just like shaken and fundamentally changed forever, which is what I really like about this movie has a really strong ending, which not Mm -hmm. to jump to, but like, again, it sort of just makes you think about like, what's the rest of this person's life? Like what's the next five minutes like even you I know? Wish, yeah i wish there was a frontiers too honestly it would have been interesting frontier um, ss i mean honestly like i it's not a sequel you could maybe watch martyrs and pretend it's a sequel <laughs> you know like, basically like it could probably that you know that could there's one line in either of those movies that could connect these two in the yeah. same sort of universe because the setup is basically exactly the same yeah so uh she she takes chainsaw skins as man ass for all uh day keeps going this way she might just break someone's fucking face tonight or brutal whatever. uh she takes his gun and she's like i'm making my escape she's running she's in the mine she gets to the elevator and what do you know her husband catches her he gets well, in the elevator her soon-to-be her. husband maybe i don't yeah, think they he, i don't think they annul the marriage <laughs> uh he gets in that elevator with her and he's just holding the gun up to her and he's like yo what's up yeah. You ain't getting out of this. Would and hate then, for this to happen to me. Here's the thing, AJ. I, I'm not being hyperbolic. Top 10 head pop scenes in film history. It's incredible. Here. And this movie's got a lot of them already. That dinner mm-hmm. scene where it turns into like a Mexican standoff and people are just blasting each other and... and so I just started blasting. Squibs are are popping out everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, this movie's blood is not just blood. It's like gutty blood you know some movies will do like the full-on red spray some will do the kind of like dark ketchupy style blood this is a movie where the blood has like gumbo chunks chili to it there are like visible little pellets in in any uh head shot or body shot in this movie and this one in particular through the elevator grate is just this perfect 
balloon pop of a fucking human head. And it does not cut. Like, we see yeah, the man. It's he's so cool. The real actor. And then they do a. I mean, it cuts, obviously, but it's like not a a camera cut like we don't cut to a different perspective like it appears as a one take it flawlessly cuts to a head blowing up you can still see his bottom set of teeth Uh left there but everything else is completely gone and who is it but our homegirl ava with a gun taller than she is pop this fucker's head off be like you killed my husband i don't give a shit anymore i literally rewound it and watched it again I think I did. The it's exact such same a good thing. moment. Yeah. It's such a good moment. I was like, DJ, uh, I'm gonna need to see that again. Yeah, back that shit up. Yasmin gets out and she's like, Ava, escape with me. And she's like, No, you don't understand. My children are down there, and I'm a good mom. Fuck off. And she's like, All right, I'm out. She gets in the car, which I appreciate her not trying to convince her for very long. She's like, uh, Yeah, I would whatever. be like, Your choice. I'm I'm done. I'm gone. Yeah. She gets in the car, no keys. She's like, I gotta find these fucking keys. And then the two sisters are back with the vengeance. And a yeah. fucking John Wick shootout goes on in this film. There's a car chase earlier, too, where they're getting, like, run through the fields. And so mm. I'm curious, kind of watching this for the first time, where we're going, what the, like, twist, yeah. the ultimate sort of betrayal is. But, yeah, it just ends up being another gunfight, which is pretty fucking rad. Two things that happen here. We'll just, th- th- there's a gunfight with the sisters, and the sisters eventually die, and it's a whole thing. It's it's not that important. But two interesting things to note here is one, I want to bring up how just uncontrollable Yasmin's actress is shaking at this point. I mean, just like it looks like she's going into a seizure. It's a wild performance. Two, did you notice that the blood had actually gotten in, the fake blood got into her eye? Oh yeah, there's I mean, a it's... moment you. Can it's look, one of, one of the, her eyes is like stained pink. One of the posters for this movie, I think we like talked about it at the end of the last episode. I've got some pictures pulled up here now, but yeah, it's like they've shaved her head. They've put her in this disgusting dress. She is just like, you cannot see a clean inch of her skin. She's yeah. just red. Uh, yeah. Including this poor woman's actual eyeball. Oh yeah. Well, the, the fake blood in it. The poster that I was trying to find is like that shot of her just, I think it's actually at the top of our, our Discord chat right now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just like, yeah. Uh, she looks like shit. There's no, there's no easy way to say it. And I would too had I gone through all this. This movie clearly uh, not popular enough to ever warrant any kind of retrospective or big piece on. But I would just love to hear this actress talk about having to film the last 30 minutes of this fucking movie and just what they put her through. But eventually yeah, because she I'm sure I'm sure it only took 30 minutes and wasn't like several days of grueling days. filming out in the yeah. cold and yeah, being like, I got this shitty fucking fake blood all over me. So she escapes in the car and some interesting things happen. That's right, you know, two minutes before credits roll. Mm-hmm. One is over the radio. We learn more about the far right uh, politician. There was an assassination attempt on him, which did not go through. And it seems he has... It's looking pretty clear he's going to be elected, Mm -hmm. which I thought, I mean, I don't know if this is what this movie is trying to say, but like what I was feeling in that moment, I kind of appreciate it, which is like this movie is playing. Granted, I am not from France, but I am from Kentucky and I'm not from the rural South, but the South nonetheless. And, you know, a lot of times in horror films where the South is used 
there are these pretty gross stereotypes about people who live in rural areas. And this yeah. film is doing a lot with that, where you are painting these people as, you know, violent, racist, well, I, I, and, Yeah, I think a bit of what we didn't set up is they're, they're, as they're driving out of the city, they're like trying to get to the border, right? Um, yeah. To get out of the the, the sort of <laughs> shadow yeah. of the French government, essentially. But what I, so like, it, it, but it is playing with this idea of like rule characters are like violent racists, which is like, mm-hmm. okay, yes, there are violent racists in the, the rural South and rural France. And there are also violent racists in every major city. But I think that's what this end of this movie is pointing out is over the radio. It's a reminder that is like, this does not only happen here because look at who has just been elected to office in the major cities of France. And I thought that was kind of an interesting take after we spent so much time operating under these like very stereotypical like archetypes of rural living and like showing that type of character Mm -hmm. to end with this radio broadcast being like, Hey, by the way, a violent, you know, right wing, maybe white supremacist was just elected into major office in Paris. Yeah. Deal with that. And then our Jewish character, Yasmin, is uh, stopped by a line of cops who never showed up at the house. I mean, she sort of seems... she sort of willingly drives towards this police yeah. blockade barricade at the border, and that's the last shot of the film. Um, and you think about the fact that, like, as much was happening here, no cops ever showed up. But now, like, our Jewish lead is kind of left with nothing to do but either give herself over or just like be at the whims of the cops and try to explain the situation. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think it's notable that no cop ever shows up to the hotels of these films. Yeah, you know, I think making the villains, like, so cartoonishly actual, like, uh, from the the true Nazi lineage yeah. is pretty pointed and makes a pretty interesting case for, like, you know, I think what it's trying to say in the final moments there is, like, who wields authority and how they use violence against people systemically or as part of Mm -hmm. a structure if it's a tight-knit intimate family is that more or less depraved than a government that runs an entire country like what are the sort of the mirrors and and themes there it's just like a really interesting sort of conundrum to pose at the end of the film um yeah i mean i think it's also put pointing at the idea that like white supremacy goes from the bottom all the way to the top like, oh for sure it. you know what yeah. i'm saying it's like, i mean the, that's the, what i was that's the, what i was bringing up with like the the stereotypes of rule living is like yeah. this movie ends with like a very literal reminder that it's like and it doesn't only exist in the sticks like there's now white supremacy at the top of you know paris's government and also we're going to end on some a shot of police yeah and and should should be stated that like you're not meant to be relieved or overjoyed by the sight of Mm -hmm. these cops it's like a very ominous shot of her car driving up to this barricade and then sort of just a pretty strict like slam to credits of being like and is that good probably not yeah uh guess what she just encountered a bunch more nazis (laughs) yeah bingo bingo there it is so i like this movie i think yeah i mean there's a lot awesome to chew on thematically and i think it's got enough gnarly visuals to warrant a recommendation for me definitely it's definitely worth watching i just think uh 
it's it's a it's a diamond that still's got the rough on it. You know what I mean? We could sand some of this stuff sure. off and get somewhere a lot better. But no, this movie kind of rips. So the director, Xavier really Gens. <laughs> Didn't well he he directed the Hitman live action film yep. interestingly on that he didn't really seem to do a movie anything. that has a, a sterling reputation yeah he he didn't really do seem to do anything of note after so that he did he, he directed a sequence in right. the ABCs of Death which someone else that we have covered on this did but I cannot remember who right now it's pr- probably maybe even the duo behind inside uh let me see if i can pull it up really quickly i've seen that movie it's pretty fun i have, I have not ty wested with something i mean it's Yoshi. pretty cool the 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 premise of it is it's 26 short films uh each of which is somebody dying in a way that's portrayed by the letter of the alphabet yeah Ben Wheatley's in there. It. Yeah, Ty West is in there. Maybe I'm thinking of Ty West because I don't see. Uh, crucially, Adam Weingard, the director of Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Kong. Kong. Yeah. Um, the director of Tokyo Gore Police and the director of Meatball. No, Machine Girl uh, also have. Both of them have. Okay, you know what it is? There's a second one. There? Maybe that is the. Oh, okay. Uh, the crossover with someone else from this pod. Oh, Ben Wheatley. Yeah, Kill List. Oh, good movie, man. <laughs> God, He's a great director. Rolls. That movie's so good. We should uh, talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Bustillo, the writer and co-director of Inside, has a segment in uh, okay. ABCs of Death 2. Oh, interestingly, also, um, the He directed X Shutter. for Xylophone. Oh, I, I see. The, um, the, yeah, T, I the see. T in ABCs of Death 2 stands for torture porn. Let's go. <laughs> I've not, I've not seen, seen two. Yeah, I haven't seen either of these, but might be it would maybe like there's a season worth doing on anthology films. We could watch like one of the VHSs. Three I love Extremes. the VHS movies. Yeah. Yeah. You ever Those... seen Three Extremes? I've seen. I've never like watched Three Extremes. I've seen some of the movies that are in there. Uh, Three Extremes one. I've never seen the second one, but the first one, Mike. Uh. Park Chan Wook and Fruit Chan. Yeah. Wild movie. Anyway, recommendations. Uh so I'm gonna go a little bit outside the horror realm, but a movie that the first twenty-five minutes of this movie really makes me think about is uh Noctorama by Bertrand Bonello. Uh Boneo, mm. probably. Uh kind of has a similar setup to this where it's uh, bad things happening in Paris. This group of teens decides to do a bombing and then they're holed up in a shopping mall. uh, And it's just like, can they survive the night uh, and, and get away from the cops? Mine is not going to be green room because that would be too easy. You should see green room if you have, I think a lot of people have seen green room. It's Blue, gonna be Blue, Blue Ruin. Ruin also. Yeah, okay, good. It's going to be Blue Ruin, a, a movie that is not really thematically similar at all, um, but it just rules. Um, I think Blue Ruin is very underseen. I had not seen it until I think I watched it like literally the same week I watched this movie. Actually. Oh, okay. I saw because it I w- well before Green Room was even a thing, yeah. and so I was like 
going into green room with the anticipation of oh shit the new thing from the blue ruin guy i i think i saw this movie literally the same week as frontiers or the same time period because i watched frontiers and i told you it reminded me of green room and you said to watch blue ruin so i think i watched them like back to back um yeah watch blue ruin it's about a I, I, what is it? A guy whose sister is murdered and he wants to go get revenge. Yeah. And, it and it's like, what like... if what if you had watched a bunch of revenge movies and thought you knew what to do uh, and were just really bad at it? Yeah, it's so good. And it's also one of the, I guess, antagonists of Green Room is the protagonist. Yeah. But in quotes, of Blue Ruin. So it's cool to see him do two different roles there. So I... What's Fucking that dude did? Awesome he did movie. the he did the mountain the snow movie after Green Room. What yeah, he he, di- he directed a Netflix thing and then it was just like he kind of disappeared for a while. Maybe he did a TV thing or something. But yeah, yeah. kind of a bummer that he uh, fell off, as the kids say. Jeremy Jeremy Solnier Solnier Solnier. Yeah, he doesn't have anything upcoming. And let uh, I guess maybe he has one upcoming thing on Letterboxd. I'm not sure, or this is just like not a well. Yeah, Rebel out, uh, Ridge. Entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great All time. right, well, fucking go watch those <laughs> movies. Thanks for listening. You know the drill. You know the deal. Um, next week, Lux Aeterna. We. That's right. A shorter one, a movie I imagine we're gonna have a lot to say about because we'll it's see. our boy. And return of the motherfucking queen and our Beatrice doll again. Let's go. All right. Thank you, AJ, for having me on you. Get hyped. Yeah. Maybe Blake will be back next week. Maybe he won't. Maybe Cloud (laughs) Moser's taking over the second mic on Region Free. He wants it. I wants to Cloud Moser try to talk about. Let me tell you, especially this one. He loves any movie with farm animals in it. He loves to sit (laughs) on the couch and watch movies with me. Uh, So the pigs in this movie, he was like, pigs, huh? And then. the rest of the stuff he saw, he was like, I do not like this. I am not having a good time. <laughs> he like, he's making this face looking at the screen. He's just like, what the fuck is going on here? Something I did halfway through this movie was stop watching it so I could eat a full dinner, which was a bit of an interesting mm. choice to make halfway yeah. through Frontiers. Anyway, Definitely bye. one that's going to make you lose your poppy corn. That's right. Bye. Bye.